Good is the mission of Warp and Woof Radio on Radio Next. We promote Christians and their organizations around Indianapolis. Hi, I'm Dr. Mark Eckel, president of the Comenius Institute. Warp and Woof Radio brings listeners needed information. Guests have included the Ten Point Coalition, Q Commons, Wheeler Mission, Neighborhood Fellowship, and Coffee USA. Doing good is not just a tagline. Doing good is a Christian way of life. Warp and Woof Radio from the Comenius Institute, where Christian wisdom and, and we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site. And we are here this morning going to be talking about Christians in community doing what we do to help and do good in the community based on this particular uh, focus of our radio show, which is to do good, do good, do good. Focus on that from Titus chapter 3, verses 1, 8, and 14. Uh, Harold Bell. Right across the table from me today, my brother HB, my twin. I'm too ugly to look at. So we just gotta let, we just gotta let the radio listeners hear my voice. How you doing, brother? Good to see you today, man. A little bit of rain coming into Indy. We're gonna get some cool down going on. This is gonna be a good thing. Uh, really anxious though to to be back doing something uh, quite frankly different than we've ever done here before, which is actually to uh, have the same guests back on the next. Uh, the next week from the time that we had them the first time. Very happy to have back in the second hour, John and Tiffany Dearman, and they're going to be talking about their specific work within the communities that they live in in Indianapolis. And it's going to be really great to be with them here again. Uh, Dr. Posley's going to pull in about 10.30. HB, uh, we're talking today about issues of community, and I know that uh, this is the focal point uh, of use over these seven years that you've uh, been doing this radio uh, bit here in Indianapolis. Tell everybody about your tagline and the focus that you have around Indianapolis. Well, it is all community all the time, and uh, it, it happened. I, I did not sit up and say what's going to be a tagline. It just kind of started happening um, every day, and, you know, just different fragments and different segments of the community kept coming into the radio show, and I don't care if it was returning citizens or seniors needing assistance or uh, young people trying to get education. Yeah, it was just like all, and all I could think is all community all the time. It's yeah. what's happening, and... I said it one day, and somebody said, man, that would be a good tagline. So I said, okay. And, and, and I mean, really, and sometimes the most innocent ways that mm. things happen are the best ways that they happen, you know, the authentic ways that they happen. And uh, this whole this whole Radio Next thing has happened so organic and so authentic that I don't I don't like to mess with it too much except sure. for the weeds and uh, get rid of trash if trash comes into my garden and figure out <laughs> what that is and yeah. who that is. Yeah. Uh, but most times, man, I just let this thing flow because God has been so rich and and letting it develop and to keep me around. Now. Mm-hmm. Why would why would you argue with it? That's for for sure, absolutely. And I, frankly, I've been happy to be around uh, for the last two and a half plus years. Uh, and just uh, so everybody knows, next week actually we're going to be celebrating. Uh, HB's 60th Big 6-0 here on the radio show, Warp and Woof Radio, next week. So you'll want to hang for that. And uh, anybody that's anybody want to come down to the radio station, 2131 East 10th Street, bring a piece of cake, bring a whole cake, bring a present, bring something to drink, bring anything. You Bring yourself. See us down here through the big plate glass windows. We'd be happy to have you down here next week, uh, HB's 60th birthday. But this week... We want to focus on exactly what HB has just suggested to us, and that is the issue of community. So the emphasis is always going to be the same for us, community, and our real interest is always going to be the, the focus of what the Comenius Institute is all about. 
So we cross three bridges. The first is into college. Uh, that is, I work with students down at IEPUI. I teach a course down there. I talk with faculty there. But I also talk with Christian students about what they're learning, what they're seeing, what they're hearing on the Christian school, on, on the public school campus from a Christian point of view. The second bridge that we cross is into communities, which is what we've been doing for these two and a half plus years here on the radio show, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, happy to do that every single Wednesday from 10 until noon. And this uh, January, this past January, uh, we actually have a new co-host. My co-host, H.B. Bell, moved to the producer role, and Dr. Clyde Posley came into the co-host role. Very happy to have had him here for the last uh, 10 months, actually, and uh, glad to see that going forward as well. Uh, we also really focus on black and white relations around the community. Uh, when people see a black PhD and a white PhD sitting next to each other, actually uh, caring for each other, it's kind of a, a statement, an optic statement, if you will, uh, from folks, uh, for folks around town. And then there's the third bridge that we cross, which is into culture. The cultural bridge can be anything. Uh, for instance, I'm teaching at my church, Crossroads Community Church uh, in Fishers, and I'm talking uh, on Sundays, 10 o'clock every Sunday morning this fall, on the issue of thoughtful Christians and culture. I'll be speaking, for instance, uh, at Marion University in a couple of weeks on Gothic literature and how evil shares our bed. You'll uh, want to, if you're in Indy, you might want to check that out and uh, see what we're doing there. Just had a peer-reviewed journal article done uh, and be published this fall, Theological Roots for the Abolitionist Movement. And I could go on and on and on. We're doing all kinds of things, writing, uh, speaking. Uh, check out our Truth in Two. Uh, go to our website, cominiusinstitute.org.com. Go to my website, warpandwoof.org, and you can see and hear a lot of things uh, that, that are freely accessible uh, for anybody that is interested in and around uh, the world, actually. You can access it anywhere. So, H.P., uh, we are we coming up on a break here. Uh, Taking, taking us to a one-song break, and when we come back, HB and I are going to be riffing a little bit on the issue of community and the importance of that. Dr. Clyde will be in about 10.30 this morning. Thanks for hanging with us. HB, take us away, man. Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Harold H.B. Bell, Mark Eckel here to talk with you this morning to get us going around the issue of community. So, uh, HB, in the first uh, segment, I asked you about where your tagline came from, why community is so important to you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the kinds of folks that you're bringing into your 9 o'clock hour. I know that you've got a brand new show at 9 o'clock, and this 9 o'clock hour, you're bringing in folks from around the community. Tell us a little about, bit about that and maybe some examples yeah, of those folks. The show is Window Talk, Mark, and it is a show, uh, I was sitting here one day, and I <laughs> Trying to get my, I told you, I, you know, I, I don't mean to be kumbaya, but man, this is, uh, it, the way things happen is unbelievable. I was sitting here and just putting some music in my playlist, and I was looking out here at this window on 10th Street, and I've been doing all community all the time, but have never been sitting smack dab in the middle of the community. I mean, uh, you know, every place that we have ever done Radio Next true. has had to go, had to go into a building, go up an elevator, go into this little hole in the wall, mm -hmm. so to speak, not, not negatively, but... Uh, then we moved out on Mount Comfort Road, and we were yeah. way out there in the atmosphere, and I'm still preaching all community all the time. And I was sitting here in this window, and I mean, I saw a preacher. I saw it looked like a businessman. I saw a drug thing. I saw a prostitute. I saw about seven different people in about 30 seconds walk by this window. Okay. And I got to thinking, man, window talk. 
And I had this time mm -hmm. slot, 9 to 10 every morning, that we weren't doing anything live, and I had every day to go do it. And so I said, you know, I've never had the opportunity to bring a consistent show uh, to the airwaves every single day. Yeah. And so I said, let me try it. And so with that show, what I want to do is just expose as many organizations and people trying to do good as possible. Mm. If you're a business or trying to sell something, now, I've got some very good rates for you that you can come and do it, but that's my tagline as well. If you're selling a ticket, you need to be a client. Yeah. If you're helping the community, then come and let me know how we can help. And uh, that's my sincere, my sincerest form of uh, saying that we are here for the community, but, you know, I have to stay alive as well. Sure. So if you're selling a ticket, then you need to have me as your agent to help you sell it. If we're trying to just help some people who are down on their luck, and this is all community all the time, then I'm allowing this that one hour to come in to be able to talk about it. Sure. If you find out that uh, we can build more of a relationship than that, then great. But yeah. uh, that's strictly what it's for, is to bring exposure to our community, all walks of our community. Nice. This is uh, fascinating to me, this window talk concept. Especially when you have folks walking right by the window and they're wave at you. And, oh, yeah, and, you they know. put the face in the window. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I get scared, I'm going to tell you. I'm praying on it, Mark, because some folks that walk by that window sometimes to kind of, you know, let a brother know, hey, you, you know, hey. Yeah, that's right. Thank God for prayer. I, t I try desperately not to, t to tap too loudly on the window. Oh, yeah, because, you, know, you know, I'm blind in my left eye, for those mm -hmm. who don't know, and so I sit in the desk where I can't see the people approaching this mm -hmm. window. So, That's you know, right. I'll, I'll get a tap every now and then that'll shake me up, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. It keeps me alive and it keeps me uh, 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 attentive. Let's there you go. Like so tell tell us about a couple of these. I've got a couple in mind. You've right across the street. We've got the Bonner Center. Uh, I know you've had some folks in from there, and then just down the street from you, uh, a couple doors down, actually, is a coffee shop. Rabble so what, Coffee Shop. Yeah, talk about those two. Uh, Rabble Coffee Shop is is pretty much like your neighborhood Starbucks uh, splash with a, a taste of cheers. You know, okay. everybody knows who you are when you walk in, um, and it is a, a frequently visited spot for some of the people who are waiting to go to the Bonner Center to uh, do business. So mm -hmm. it, it's a really, really good gathering spot and meeting place. And uh, young lady Josie, who owns the uh, uh, Rabble Coffee Shop, is only 28 years old. And I just get energy from watching when young people take the initiative to say, I'm going to control my life. And then when I was doing the interview with her, uh, she had so many other opportunities in this world to go to, and she just said she always wanted to own a coffee shop. And nice. I mean, that's my kind of gal. I said, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And she's happy. Yeah. And you can see every time you meet her, she's happy, but she's happy because she's landed in the design that she was called to do. I'm happy because I was landing, you know, <laughs> putting this design that I was called to do. And I'm really uh, uh, just, just, uh, proactive about small businesses being part of the community and part of the neighborhood. There's a vibe and a and a energy. Uh, yeah. You can't duplicate when you go into Rabble versus going across to the mm. Burger King. I'm mm -hmm. just going to tell you, you walk into Rabble, you feel like you're in somebody's living room. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I just love that. And in the Bonner Center, of course, they have over 70 or 80 different programs serving our community, mm. uh, trying to make sure everything from seniors down to infants are taken care of, uh, those low-income families who might not have an option um, you know, to get help. 
they're there for them. Mm. Um, as you know, we have just started the autism, uh, urban autism initiative where now low-income families seeking brain mapping and, and high-end mm. therapies. So uh, we, we're doing all of that, you know, and using this show to bring awareness to all of that. Mm. So It is amazing ever since I've been here with you uh, how many different people you've introduced me to. Uh, how many different people we brought into the radio uh, program itself from other venues and different yeah. places. And uh, one of the big issues that uh, we always talk about is crossing cultures. And so uh, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. doesn't matter if you're Hispanic or Nigerian. It doesn't Not matter. to us. Not to us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it matters, and it, it's sad that it matters. It, it is sad. We do uh, live in a cultural context that you can't get away from. But nonetheless, our, our responsibility, of course, as Christians, is to kind of unify that as best we can. And so when we think about this, when we talk about bringing in lots of different folks, uh, we're really not all that concerned uh, at all about ethnicity or linguistics or nationality or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, what we're really interested in is fellow human beings. Absolutely. Fellowshipping is the number one. That's the name of the game, Mark. And, you know, that's the reason most of the things that I do. And I, when I sit up and watch television and watch sports, when I watch music, mm. when I watch these things that are, are uh, nondescript as far as uh, identifying who I am, you yeah. know, it's universal. Um, I like to gravitate around those because there's, it's hard to have a bad situation if you've got a little music and a little food mm -hmm. with people. They'll figure out their way to start communicating. That's right. Um, and so, you know, keep it real simple. Um, and the first thing we have to do is open up dialogue. Make dialogue yes. to where it's non-threatening, it's true, mm -hmm. it's authentic. But let's get some truth out. Isn't that and the, the truth? truth is, a lot of times we don't want to address what <laughs> what truth is. We want to hide behind, you know, these pillars and, and say, okay, I'm going to give you some of this truth. Mm. And then I'm going to hide behind so you really can't see what I'm feeling and right. thinking. And right. there's a consequence to it. I tell you all the time, I'm lonely as heck sometimes because mm. I'm so truthful. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my peacemaker Mm -hmm. uh, I, I get I get some place to go reside in peace because the, my truth is I can't go to sleep if I'm sitting up and I'm trying to play uh, agent to agendas or I'm trying yeah. to act this way when I'm really the I, I don't know how people do it. Mm -hmm. it it would drive me crazy to go to bed every night knowing I did not live my truth yeah especially when your truth isn't trying to hurt anybody. Isn't it is just your truth? Isn't it fascinating? I just was reading uh, George Orwell, famous uh, author of 1984, a great novel. Uh, George Orwell once said that uh, in a world that's uh, so splintered into tribes, he said that uh, speaking truth is a revolutionary act by itself. And that's scary to think. You know, that's scary to think that we have so few people really ready to spout truth. Yeah. Um, and you know, we don't do politics in here. But the one thing that I could take away when I was listening. Uh, to the Kavanaugh hearing and all the people, you know, going to their corner, so mm -hmm. to speak, was, are you ever giving a way that you truly feel about a situation mm -hmm. or I'm this, I'm this, and that's the corner I'm going to, and I never, ever, even in my Christian walk, I'm a Christian, but... I'm not knocking these people who stand across the street as Jehovah Witness who are sure. trying to get people to a power bigger than them. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. My job isn't act like Christ. This is the only way. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. My job is to make sure that Christ knows, the Christ I serve knows that this guy believes the proper way. And then those who might not, we're going to find out a way. That's right. <laughs> 
with this loving God to, you know, I mean, because I don't see them doing any wrong out mm -hmm. there. You know what I see? Yeah. I see committed people, mm -hmm. true about the agenda that they say that they're serving, true mm -hmm. about the faith that they're serving. If I think that I'm the only one who gets this right, then something is wrong with Harold Bell. <laughs> I just don't think that I have it all right. So mm -hmm. thank God for letting me be a Christian. Thank God for letting me into this kingdom. But I don't think I have all these answers mm -hmm. as a human being. And then my scripture tells me I don't anyway. So yeah. um, I, I'm just I'm just stuck on committed people, man. There you go. You know, committed people. People who are willing to demonstrate dedication. Yeah. Uh, people who are willing to, in your words, grind it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's my grinding and churning. You know, I, I just love those words because, you know, uh, you hear those stories about the tortoise and the hare, and that's mm -hmm. really all that means. Mm -hmm. All grinding is is being the tortoise. You know, yeah. you get up every day and start setting one foot in front of the other. Uh, you're going to get more done than somebody running real fast, trying to get real quick to their destiny yeah. because they will pass up some of the ingredients necessary. They will uh, go by so fast some of the people along the way they need to say hello to. Mm. So, uh, so I just think rushing to anything is, is not a good move and grinding always mm. is safer. Mm -hmm. You know, you got a little bit more control when you're grinding because when you're speeding out of control, you go around a curve. Yep, there it is. You know, it could be a wreck. One and of the, if you're grinding, yeah, you're gonna be you're you're part of the road. So. <laughs> That's right. You know? There is dedication to all of this. The emphasis, of course, in Scripture is pretty important to us as well in this regard as it relates to perseverance, uh, sticking with it. Uh, our responsibility toward commitment. I'm thinking about that famous uh, passage in Philippians chapter 2 that where our responsibility is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. The focus, of course, is on our responsibility to commitment and to dedication. Our emphasis uh, this morning is on community and our focus is going to be on the Dearmans in our second hour. We're going to be taking a one-song break here. When we come back, uh, HB and I will continue our conversation about the importance of community, uh, the importance of seeing people as people and accepting them as such uh, within the focus of our responsibility to love them. You're listening to Warp and Roof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Those of you who are listening on radio will be right back. Facebook Live, we're staying with you. Christian we're wisdom. back. Warp and Roof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're having a great old time here at 2131 <laughs> East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. If you'd like to go out to lunch with me, I'll even buy you a salad at Burger King across the street. We're talking here with H.B. Bell this morning about community, the importance of Christians in community, and the kinds of things that we're doing in and around Indianapolis. Uh, what HP has been doing here for seven plus years now. He's got a brand new venue here with big plate glass windows getting to look at everybody on the street. Uh, wonderful opportunity. Just got done talking about that actually and uh, the kinds of folks that we bring in here on a regular basis. Uh, HP, let's talk uh, just for a few minutes here about your new work. Well, really, it's not new, It's but it's something that you, um, you've really put your... Uh, put your feet into here of, of late, which is the autistic uh, group. And uh, let's talk about Dr. Yip and uh, about her good work in the community, because this is a big deal in our culture today. Uh, folks talking about the autistic spectrum, uh, people don't really even know what that means. You know what, so let's talk funny, about Mark, that. Is I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I, and I listen to how your whole show is really built. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm doing almost the same thing with a different verbiage, different mm -hmm. slant, because really... Uh, Part of the problems I think we have in our country is that we're so culturally divided 
that yeah. we, idealistically we like a lot of the same things. We like the same restaurants. We like yep. the same music. We like the same movies. Yep. We like everything except this culture divide about I don't know who you are when I go home and when you go home. So now let me take my stance mm -hmm. is what I, what I see and hear a lot of. Dr. Yip, being from Malaysia, came over and saw some of the problems that we have in America and some of the problems that we face are just truly economical, yeah. cultural, and, and she's able from another lens to look and say, there are some kids over here who's got the same problem that the kids up here in Carmel or the same kids in Fishers have, but they're not being uh, given the same type of treatment. Right. And so for the last two years, we have been really, really trying to say, how do we bring some of her uh, cutting-edge treatment? Uh, because autism has come a long way in the mm. last 15 years um, as far as ways to help the rehabilitation process, ways to help uh, and, and diagnose how these young people can go and live as normal a life as possible, mm -hmm. how they can live by themselves, how they can go into the workplace if we get the proper treatment. And too many times what's happening in the African-American community and low-income families, they're not being diagnosed that they're autistic until 13, 14, 15 years of age. And you've lost seven or eight of the, the budding years, yes. those, those true years, to start getting uh, uh, autistic spectrum uh, patients and clients into into the, the, the procedures and the, and the services that are necessary to get them back on track. I mean, mm -hmm. you can never cure it, but you can build habits. Mm -hmm. I hate to say this, is you build it with your dog, you train your dog. Mm. Autism, autism is the type of disease that if you continuously go and address what problem these young people have and show them the right way over and over again, they can get mm. it right. Mm. They're, not, they're not out here like just, you know, spinning out of control. They might understand what you say to them, Mark, in as, as rapidly as I understand what you're saying, but then that disconnect of, how do I respond back might be their mm -hmm. problem. It's not that they don't get it. Sure. They just don't know how to respond back. So we have to work with that over and over. Mm. So Dr. Yip and I have, have been blessed to have the Avondale Meadows YMCA, uh, CA, another partner of mine here at Radio Next, and First Baptist Church North to take on giving us space. Yeah. All we needed was space because Dr. Yip has the therapist. I've actually gone back to do 40 hours of behavior therapy so I can go in and lend a face and a voice to people who might want to know or who mm. don't know about autism. And uh, I'm, I'm not autistic. I don't have any family members autistic. That's what I mean about just letting God do the work. Mm. Um, and so now I can be a doorway to get people of color, some people who never, ever thought that there were services available for them, right. and let them know you can use your Medicaid and get these $100,000 worth of services. And that's about what we're looking at if you had to go pay to go every mm. day to get this type of therapy. Mm. And so, you know, this Urban Autism Initiative is coming to fruition. January, we will have uh, our young people being able and parents being able to take that break because see, we mm. don't think about when people are dealing with these autistic Alzheimer's, these day these daily situations that people are dealing with we don't think about the stress and the trauma that they're dealing with yeah, all exactly. day every day and you know you you've dealt with situations like this but man there's never a break that's so right now to be able to have a parent say i can drop my child off from nine to two i can drop mm. my child off from nine to five mm. 
get your life back together. Get, yeah. You know, take an exhale for that, that, you know, that next half a day that you're going to have to deal with, with this high-strung individual. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a win-win-win, um, you know, being able to uh, to make it happen. I told you, I, you know, I was just throwing stuff out there, and it mm -hmm. happened. So, you know, we're going to continue, and we're going to keep you updated. And hopefully what this will do is turn into maybe five or six or seven satellite locations. That'd be great. Around the city, so as close as home to possible, mm -hmm. the better, because a lot of times when we're dealing in low-income families, we're dealing with no transportation. Right. You know, we don't think about that. You know, if you don't have any money, you probably don't have a car. That's right. If you don't have any money, you probably can't go get the uh, tutoring that your child needs. You know, right. So, you know, we just have to start addressing situations and issues, I think, from a real pragmatic uh, uh, standpoint and say, how do we make this happen mm. instead of talking about what we don't have? Mm. Much like what uh, uh, Mount Carmel Church did with the food desert. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, we don't have any grocery stores in this area, and you can say that we're in a food desert, or you can say, no, we're not, because I got a, a, a couple of acres back here that we can do some planting and go get some partners who grow beef and who grow organic chickens, and then every month we're going to bring them out here, and now people can come. Doesn't help every day. But it's the start of something. Yes. So I say, how do we how do we create solutions right. uh, to some of these problems instead of just always running out there, you know, <laughs> yelling and screaming yeah. and crying about our uh, uh, the lack of, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Running, running to the problem instead of running your mouth. Absolutely. You know, maybe that would be the tagline right there. Mm -hmm. This is a, a really crucial concern. We've uh, dealt with these kinds of issues on a regular basis. And I wanted to uh, just mention in the past when we've talked about these things, uh, we have actually tried to shut down uh, people using the term normal uh, because, quite frankly, what is normal? I don't know what normal is. Uh, this isn't a word that we ought to use. And, I, and then I think about what does Scripture teach? Uh, scripture is very clear about a biblical view uh, of how do we treat people. And I think about uh, situations, as HB has brought up, uh, situations that we are not in control of, situations beyond our understanding. And I think about that from Leviticus on throughout Scripture. Uh, treating the stranger with love, uh, incorporating them within the community. And quite frankly, uh, some folks uh, might seem uh, outside of the boundaries of what I seem to be normal. But to them, normal is a whole different ballgame. So maybe I'm a stranger to them and they're a stranger to me. My responsibility, our responsibility is bring that together. HB, Dr. Yip, they're putting together, they're putting wheels on the machine so that we actually get this thing down the road. I, I think in, if we want to start, you know, because verbiage is so, we're so tender today about you mm -hmm. know, terms we use, True. words yep. we use, uh, words that I grew up on. Now, if you call me that, uh, <laughs> everybody wants to go to court, you know, because yep. cause, I mean, I'm going to be serious, man. Yep. I went from color to Negro. <laughs> to black, to oh, African-American, and I'm not 60 yet, brother. Yeah. So so when we start talking about our issues and you just listen at that, yeah. that right there is an issue. Yeah. It's an issue, and I mean, why should it be? But we make it one. Um, and the same way with normal. Normal to me means as close to socially functional as possible. Mm. How? Uh, because you could have a problem. But yeah. you could go to work every day and nobody's affected by your problem. You could right. have a problem and go teach some kids low league baseball and it wouldn't affect anybody. You could have a problem and go to your church and, and, and carry out the function at your church. And then when you get home, you need to go to your closet to get you a drink. Or when you get home, you need to go figure out how am I going to take this heroin or opiate. And if it's not affecting you out here, nobody really knows that you have a problem. So to the world, you're normal. Yes. 
And, right. and, and I think that what we mean really is, are you socially competent? Mm. And socially competent has a whole nother uh, 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 meaning than normal. Yes. Uh, I don't know if normal has anything to do with human interaction. I think normal means like, uh, what's the temperature in uh, hmm. between June and September? And the normal temperature would be the average of what that mm -hmm. temperature is. But human beings, I don't think that normal does us uh, justice. Yeah. When we start talking about these great individual gifts that God created. Absolutely. None of us are normal. It's not the truth. I mean, I, I take pride right. in not being normal. You know, and I tease you all the time and tell you, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, John the Baptist on the internet radio, you know, screaming about the coming of the Messiah. And everybody's like, ooh, that guy's crazy. But we ain't going to mess with him. You know, but but because but I know I beat to a different drummer. I do not, I am not, uh, I'm not caught up on public opinion, and I know a lot of people are. That's the reason they voice what they think mm -hmm. on social media. Yeah, they're, they they want validation for what they think and say. And right. I'm gonna tell you something, Mark. I, <laughs> I really don't need a lot of validation because I have covered it and gone over it real clear with my maker mm. about how I feel. Yeah, and so I really don't I don't worry about that but there's a there's a there's a, about a 80 85 percent of the population who is really wanting validation from other mm. people that's why they speak their mind the way mm. they do or else they wouldn't mm. uh, it's a really great way to put that i i love the concept of communicating for validation's sake instead of actually having something good to say and we, and we do it every single day yeah. All you, have to, you can go on social media right now somebody sure. is saying something to be validated by somebody else yeah and as i told you you will never hardly ever get an opinion about me from me in a social media arena, mm. uh, I talk to you candidly all mm -hmm. the time. You don't ever have to wonder about what I'm thinking. That's right. You, I mean, you just don't because I can call Mark and I can talk to Mark and I have a relationship with Mark that I can talk about. But people that I don't have that that intimacy with, yeah, I don't even want you to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's I'm right. Just yeah, I could care less about you knowing what I'm thinking. Yeah, and, and for it to be validated by the public, I just don't. I don't get this whole thing, even though I do it every day. Mm -hmm. I'm sending messages about where you can get in some help. But I have never understood why people say things thinking that other people validating them is going to make mm -hmm. a difference. It's just, it just doesn't. Mm. You're listening to Warp and Roof Radio, RadioNext.tv, the Cool Roof site. We are going to take another one-song break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. Harold H.B. Bell, Mark Eckel. We're talking about community. We're talking about the issue of what does it mean to function properly as a Christian within the culture that we live in. Uh, we're grateful for this opportunity. Grateful for you to listen to us. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, in our next segment, we'll continue this conversation. Warp and Roof Radio. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're up in Wolf Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Group site. That's right, boy. That's right. We have uh, we have just lit up Facebook Live here uh, with our conversation in between in the break, and we're glad to be back. Those of you listening to us uh, at the TuneIn app that you might have on your phone, or at the Radio Next app uh, that you might have your tab open on your computer. Uh, maybe some earbuds in while you're working, typing out, whatever. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, we've been talking this morning about the issue of community and the importance of making sure that we're actually walking down the road together, arm in arm, 
uh, instead of uh, constantly fighting each other. We just had that conversation actually during the break. If you're interested, catch us back up at Facebook Live. We will archive this discussion later on. But uh, let's uh, talk in this last segment here in our first hour before our guests come in, HB, about the necessity of participating uh, doing something in culture. And we're about to have John and Tiffany Dearman come in, and they're going to be talking about some of the things that they do. Uh, they're going to be talking about soul care ministry, employee opportunities, getting involved in coaching, uh, helping boys and men cross from their unhealthy habits into a good, good habits through sports ministry. And Tiffany, of course, in the real estate business and the emphasis, uh, her emphasis in becoming or wanting to become a school board member on the west side of Indianapolis. Um, let's talk here in the last few minutes of this first hour, HB, about uh, the good things that are possible. So let's give some examples, as we've just done here, of John and Tiffany, of some folks who are doing good in the community. From your vantage point, your perspective, who would you call out as somebody doing good here? Uh, man, I, we need a whole show, man. Yeah. There's so many people who are are not recognized for doing great works. Your buddy Jim Streetelmeyer right down the street in his yep. free clinic. Uh, met another guy doing a free clinic at Martin University, mm. uh, Nadim Siddiqui. Um, here's a brother. You're talking about, you're talking about just uh, uh, non-fearful of what is. Over a year ago, right at a year ago, he went to Martin University and said he thinks we need a free clinic. Mm. They told him, well, if you want a free clinic, here's what you need to do. A year later, he's got a free clinic with nine doctors on staff that wow. every other Saturday he has a free clinic for the people to go get checkups and go get, you know. But I'm thinking to myself, if that were us, people who were born in this culture, mm. we would be sitting up for a year and a half figuring out the planning stages of how to launch this free clinic. Yeah. This cat, they gave him the instructions. He said, let's go get it. That, that wasn't there. But, but there are so many... Uh, so many organizations, uh, organizations, women-based organizations dealing with young women, uh, mentor program with men dealing with men, and I don't like to give names because if I do, then I'm leaving out someone sure. else. And you know how people are. Absolutely. Age but yep. anything and everything you can think about from senior programming, Mark, to Alzheimer's mm -hmm. awareness, to returning citizens, to mental health, to, to infant programs where mothers who might not be equipped to be mothers yet mm. are getting assistance to learn how to be mothers for women who have been mothers and grandmothers. So there's just so many great uh, organizations out here that are addressing the needs. But uh, almost back to the subplot here with Radio Next, mm. we as a community for some reason, and I know this is culturally biased, but in the African-American community, we don't know how to come together to work together. Mm. We just have not been taught that this is the way you get the best bang out of your buck. The more, the merrier. Everybody can't be Jesus. We need a bunch of disciples. Everybody can't be the CEO. We need a whole bunch of vice presidents. And we just don't know that. Mm -hmm. We just don't know it. And so when you don't know it and you don't want to learn it, now you got a problem. When you don't know it, you're ignorant. When you mm. don't know it and now you know you don't know it and you don't want to learn Learn it now is territorial and is ignorance. And yeah. I think that we just have a lot of that embedded in a community, and it comes from systemic oppression. And, you know, we can go there in another time, but I, I just think that there has never been a real teaching or a real learning model for African Americans to say, coming out of civil rights, coming out of Jim Crow, coming out of slavery, here's how you come together to work together because all of the motivation was to see how can I get out of this hellhole. 
Yes. And when you're working hard to get out of a hellhole, it's not a lot of teamwork or a lot of what can we do together mm. included in that in that synopsis. And, mm. and that's just that's my truth and reality. That's why I do most of my programs. I make them culturally sensitive. Mm. I know that African Americans have mental health disorder, but they're not going to see the white psychologist. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. And yeah. so we have to figure out a way, okay, black people, you need help, so we got to get somebody to look like yeah. where we're trying to take them. That's why I told you I had to go do 40 hours of, of registered behavior therapy to say if I want some parents who have autistic children mm. to go get help or to even see if your child's autistic, I better go be the messenger who has some credentials yeah. to say it's okay, baby. Yeah. You know, same in mental health. Same in diabetes, same in the chronic illnesses. Um, our community is afraid of what's mm. been. Yeah. Straight up, straight up and serious. So now the apprehension from grandma, apprehension from great grandma, passes down to mama, passes down to the kids. So it uh, disallows you from feeling like the doctor is my friend, the therapist is my friend. Uh, mm. You know, this person, now if it's a broken arm, oh, we good to go get that fixed. But if it's a mental issue or if it's some chronic disease or something, man, we're mm. just afraid mm. as, a, as a community to go get checked out. Mm. And part of it has to do with experiences from before and transferred information from ill-equipped people. Mm. And know. one of the good things that's happening at a place like this at, at Radio Next is that that kind of community development is happening all the time. And one of the things that uh, always encourages me when I think about all of the different kinds of folks we've had on this program over two and a half plus years is uh, how many uh, folks we have had here who don't look like me. Yeah. And that we want to include everybody in the process. And let me say this, Mark, and this isn't touting your horn because you're one of my brother and one of my dearest friends. The, the truth of the matter is if we don't step outside of the boxes that we know mm -hmm. to try to figure out why, why does this person or why does this group of people act like they act? Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've got several, you know me, I've, I'm like, I guess, McCain. I can cross the, <laughs> the line in the aisle because I'm pretty sure about who HB is. But the truth of the matter is... When you're out trying to create dialogue, dialogue happens. Mm -hmm. It happens. But if you're going to sit up and have your opinion on what you think, you haven't investigated who this culture of people are. And then your only opinion is based off of what you sit back in your little cozy confines to, mm. to do your uh, observation from, your little, you know, your chair that you sit and observe from. Mm -hmm. You're not going to know who these people are. Right. You're not going to know that these are some good people, you know, talk loud, like music loud, everything about, you know, the African-American. Yeah, I'm just telling you the truth, man. I'm a brother. When I go work with my little brothers and sisters, I'm taking music. I'm taking a little comedy. Mm -hmm. I'm taking some stuff that I know is going to gather their interest mm -hmm. before I can instill this this medicine, yeah, so to speak. And, and I mean, we we do it every day, all day, and then we don't want to take the time to say, who is this person? Yeah, and this is something that uh, I, I think of when I am with you and other venues. I think about um, these. Uh, young people who come in and they see you and it's it's loud and proud and i love that yeah. about this this young community 
I'm, I really, like you, uh, just really enjoy young people and spending time with man, people that are younger. Future, Mark. Yeah. I mean, man, my kids at the Y. I had a boy ask me last week, Mr. HB, were you ever a little boy? Oh, my word. Man, look, but, but here's, wow. here's, the, here's the beauty and here's the, the tear that fell from my eye. I'm thinking here's an 11-year-old African-American male who has never been around a male to show him you go from a baby to a little boy to a teenager, to a young man, to a grown man, then you have your owner. Nobody was ever in his life to say yeah. that this is how life happens. So that part was sad. The beautiful part is the imagination of this little boy was like, I ain't never seen 60, so I don't know 60. So the question I need to ask, were you ever a little boy in this age? <laughs> so I couldn't do anything but just, you know, just, I mean, man, I went home and it's been on my mind forever yeah. and ever. And I said, man, that dynamic is incredible. Nobody's ever told this little boy that he's going to grow up to be a man. This is a, a marvelous opportunity that we have to talk about these kinds of things. Our guests are just showing up here. Hang on just a second while I go over the door. And what I will do is we'll take a break, Mark, and uh, take a two-songer. Yeah, two-song break. All righty, we'll be right back. You're listening to Comenius Institute, Welcome Wolf Radio, right here on RadioNext.tv. We are back, Warping Wolf Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are here this afternoon, or I guess I should say this morning, uh, talking with John and Tiffany Deerman uh, from the west side of Indianapolis, Brownburg area. Grateful for them to be back with us this week, and uh, as I told you guys last week, uh, you really have, really, honestly, the singular um, kind of award given to you here. You're the only people that we've invited back the very next week. Wow. So, yeah, you know, I know, no pressure now, because now you got to bring it again. Look out. So uh, this week, though, we invited you back because, you know, last week we had so much to talk about concerning small business, but now, this week, we have a lot to talk about concerning your individual interests in the community. So HB and I have been talking the first hour just back and forth about the importance of community, giving some examples of the kinds of things that we've been doing and so on. Now, for this hour, though, we want to focus on you guys and the good things that are going on here. Uh, so I'm going to just kind of tell you that you can just talk as you would like uh, because I don't want to get in the middle here of the conversation. Uh, so you guys just take it away. Talk about the, the things that are of most interest to you. I'll chime in from time to time with a question. Whoever wants to start back and forth, however you want to go, we'll take a break in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, I'll let Tiffany start, but, but first and foremost, what a privilege it is to be invited yeah, back. Uh, we're humbled, we're honored, and we're excited about what you're doing here and Dr. Clyde is doing, Doc is doing. I mean, so we're excited just to partner with you guys. So thank you again. From, You're welcome. From the depths of our hearts. So I'll let my wife um, start off. Given that I'm a gentleman, so I want to try to be a gentleman. I want to humble myself. There you go. My wife go first. Wise man. Exactly. We can go back and forth. Okay. How do you want to do it? Um, so for me, my passion in the community. It literally stems from my testimony and what I've done in my life, which I think probably a lot of people can relate to that. Um, didn't know, you know, when I was in high school that this would be my passion or where God would lead me. But um, so I think I mentioned, we mentioned last week, we're a blended family, um, six kids. Um, so prior to that, after being single for 11 years, um, 
this is when um, the Lord brought uh, John into my life. Prior to that, I went through a very difficult time. I call my desert, two years in the desert, of um, just waiting to see if things were going to work out uh, with uh, my previous marriage. Um, it didn't go that way. It was a, a difficult time. And um, it's where God really showed himself um, personal in my life. Uh, he became everything. Uh, I think that's when I recognized that he truly is in the driver's seat. He is sovereign. Mm. I realized I came to the end of myself. Um, with that, um, God has allowed me on multiple occasions to walk alongside other women going through difficult marriages. So that has been a blessing. It's become somewhat of a passion just because I can speak honestly about that and what that looks like in a practical sense. It's, you know, spiritually, just, you know, with the day-to-day tasks of raising children and doing that, you know, by yourself. So that's been a huge blessing. Um, I do remember praying um, very honestly to the Lord when I realized things were not going to, you know, be put back together. I had no idea what his claims were. But, you know, you think you know what's best um, before God shows you what truly is. And I remember praying, okay, Lord, if this is not going to happen, then I pray that he would keep me in my home. Because it was just three months after we closed our brand new home that things begin to um, unravel. Mm. So I said, if you keep me in this home, I'll use it to glorify you. Mm. Which, um, had no idea what he was going to do with that. But that journey began with um, Girls Night In, which was a community organization that um, was all about um, young girls in the community in Brownsburg. Um, a dear friend, Jamie Rice, um, mm. started that, had a vision for young girls after doing some, uh, I think, uh, teaching in the school, um, temporary teaching in the school. So we started that, having groups of, of young girls, kind of a youth group in the community. They would come together and we would share with them and they could share with us what they were going through. Started there. Then mother-daughter devotions in my home for my younger daughter. So I was the older one, Carr. She graduated, went off to college. And Kaya, who's the senior now, was probably second grade, third grade, started doing mother-daughter devotions, which was a an amazing experience with about seven or eight moms and their daughters, who all girls have become just like daughters to me, and now they're seniors and they're graduating, so this is going to be a hard year. <laughs> so the Lord, you know, um, blessed me with the opportunity to do that, uh, to do that, and then got involved with College Parks Ministry in Brookside and had a group of praise dancers from Brookside, and those girls are dear to my heart, and that was a precious time to get to see you know, a full perspective on how other people, you know, deal with life. And it was good for my kids and good for us to be involved in that ministry. And we're still, Corey Johnson is still a dear friend of communities, and we still support that ministry. So God just took me on a journey of, again, using my home to glorify Him. Just mm-hmm. being, I was in a safe house because I was a single mom. Moms never had to worry about their girl being, you know, no danger, no threat, because there's no men, you know, and some, maybe as parents, we just don't know, so we think that way, and so it was a beautiful thing, we had lots of sleepovers, you know, lots of slumber parties where um, Christ was present, um, and so that, honestly, allowed me to grow some really deep roots in Brownsburg, hmm. and I think that um, those roots and what that community did in embracing me in that time is one of the reasons that I really want to be able to give back. Mm-hmm. to the community in that way. There were men coaches. Um, I was actually spent time with one the other night, Coach Yoder, shout out if he's listening. 
Um, and Coach Needs, who stood in the gap for my son, in very tender age, middle school, this when his dad left, and then to high school. Those guys had a huge impact on him, and even to this day, he's graduated in Houston, doing phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, it was, it was really neat to be able to step back and see how God has weaved um, so many amazing opportunities in people in our lives. And it uh, just made me think, this is a good time to be able um, to give up and thank him. So those are some of the passions and some of the, you know, individual opportunities that I've had to, to just speak into hmm. young ladies. So I have a heart for young women because I remember thinking now, what would I have done different as a young adult in the decisions and choices that I made in relationships had I had someone in my life to really share with me, you know, God and his desire for me, his love for me, his plans for me, his boundaries for me. If I'd have had someone to share all that with me, what choices might I have made differently and how could I help other young women make those choices differently? And then because of the testimony that he gave me with my marriage, um, how could I then walk alongside other women who are in the same, you know, going through the same difficulties and encourage them in that? This sounds very much like a Titus 2 situation where you have uh, older women helping younger women, older men helping younger men, uh, very much uh, what you guys have given yourselves to in this regard. So, John, tell us about, uh, give us just a snapshot, as Tiffany has uh, done so well here, about the kind of work that you're doing and uh, that emphasis of younger, older, and the mentoring. Yeah. Well, I think she's absolutely spot on. God uses our past experiences for today's purposes. Mm. Uh, he doesn't take us through a journey just to waste that journey. He, he takes us through that journey to grow us closer to Him, to, to allow our faith to be grounded and rooted in Him, but yet to use our experiences, whatever they may be, to bless and to come alongside others. And that's our heart. Uh, and ultimately, it's all about Him. I was listening yesterday at the, on the radio, and honestly, it's something bigger than us. Mm. You know, God has placed us at this time and season of our life, not for us just to be here. Mm. It's bigger than us, and we know who that bigger person is. Yeah. It's God. It's 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 Him who's bigger. And so, for me, my story, coming from the past experiences of addiction. I grew up not in the church. I grew up with two parents. Uh, my dad left when I was four years old. He was an alcoholic. He was very much around all the wrong things in terms of drugs and alcohol. But yet I do remember one thing. Every Sunday morning, my mom pushed me to church. She didn't go to church with me. Though. She pushed me to church. And I do remember, and I recall back, that's when I fell in love with going to church. I didn't know Christ as my Lord and Savior, but that, that was in a sense of saving grace that I was pushed to church mm. because there is where I met that Sunday school teacher who taught me the truths about Jesus Christ. Mm. And that, that Sunday school first, uh, teacher really began to mentor me and mm. come alongside me given that I was in the inner city. So that push was huge. Also, just the experience of cancer and death. So many people came alongside me during that time of hardship for me to keep me elevated to Christ, to keep me focusing on Him in the midst of this hard, hard time. 
there were brothers, there were men that were coming alongside of me, holding me accountable, keeping me fixed and focused in God's word, praying for me. And in a sense, that was that man-to-man, iron-sharpening, iron mentorship that I so needed at that season of my life. And even when I was a single dad raising three children, that's where fatherhood really became big for me. Mm -hmm. That's when it was really big for my three children, which were five, my youngest was five, Nicholas was seven, and then my baby girl, Jayla, was 10. So I needed that that strong fatherhood sense of a man taking care of his family. So these experiences, Mark, Doc, has allowed me to now, in today's manner, to give back to those who are, in a sense, in maybe going through that same struggle. So I love to meet with my two brothers who who, who, who just recently lost their wives to, to cancer. So mm-hmm. I'm coming alongside because I lived that experience for them. I, the fact that when I have the, the greatest opportunity to share my story of addiction, of 12 years of crack addiction, to one of my employees who their wife had called me and said, I don't know where my husband's at, mm-hmm. he's hanging around different friends, and I knew what he was up to. I didn't fire him, but I, I, you know, he came in my office and I gave him, but Mark, when I shared my story with him, he was floored. Hmm. And ultimately I said, yes, that's my story, but this is how you can get there through Christ, Jesus Christ. Hmm. And, and so those things, and as well as a single dad, I love seeing men take care of their children, take care of their wives, and really be the, the man in their home. We don't do it right perfectly all the time, hmm. but it's a man being present and trying hmm. to do the right thing. Hmm. And it's even more essential that we take pride in saying, hey, I'm the man of this home. And we're humbled enough to say, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes in and through Christ that makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. I'm thinking about that passage in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7, where it says that the God of all comfort who has comforted you, you to take that same comfort and comfort others. I mean, it really sounds like that's exactly what what happened with you. So this uh, this connection, obviously, you guys have been married now for about three years. Is that correct? Yeah, two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. Okay. All right. So this is this is a fantastic uh, union. Um, you had spoken last week about being the Black Brady Bunch, as I recall. Uh, that was that was your your tagline for last week. Uh, the blended family. So you have six children together. Yes. Yeah, and that's a, a marvelous thing. And you're a testimony within the community of, of the kinds of things that can happen, not just in your own story, John, about you know your own addictive past and so on, but to see uh, to, to be able to show employees, hey, this is something that doesn't have to be. Exactly. This is something that can be very, very different. Yeah. And now look at us, you know, that kind of opportunity. So these are, you know, you, you really are this quintessential family who uh, has, uh, through Christ's love and grace, been risen up uh, literally back to life again in, in many respects. And it's a statement really to the whole community. So we're, we're really grateful for you telling us about that today. So tell us just a little bit before we go to break about the connections that you see yourself doing uh, within, let's let's talk about the church just before we go to break. The importance of the church in your lives, and then uh, after break, we'll talk about the specific community events that you're invested in. So, however you'd like to take care of that. Yeah. I, I think the church is absolutely essential because having a Bible-believing, 
Bible preaching church every every Sunday to kind of land on Sunday after Sunday to kind of unload on on a Sunday, but yet to generate so much motivation from that Sunday to, to get you through from Monday to Saturday. I think that's that's so huge to have a passion that is preaching the gospel line by line, precept by precept. But not only that, living that gospel living out. and challenging the congregation to live it out. Uh, and our church is very much in, on the front end and the cutting edge on trying to um, not only blend families, but also blend a congregation. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very much in front of the diversity piece. And it's a hard, hard question, but we're leaning into that. So mm -hmm. our pastor and leadership are really taking up that baton and passing that mm -hmm. on. And that's what we need uh, as a blended family, as, 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 as individuals who's trying to make a difference in the community. God's word being preached Sunday after Sunday, but the fellowship, not the not the pseudo fellowship, but the accountability fellowship. How are you doing, John? How are you praying? How often are you in that word? But also the leadership that's leading the way in that. Mm. Um, and it's just just really it's really phenomenal that our kids get to see that mm. strong relationships that be that are being built around us. Mm. And, and 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 we know it again at a time like this, God has has us at a season at our church, not just to receive, but to also give. So we're very involved in ministries. Uh, I'm in a couple of leadership class. She taught uh, a couple of women's class. Um, we're very much involved with some of the youth ministries there. So mm. He doesn't have us just receiving it all, but yet mm -hmm. we're possibly actively engaged, which we do believe that that's essential for the growth and the purpose of what God has us doing in the community. Mm -hmm. Sure. And for me, it's family. For me, I mean, the church is a hospital. We're all jacked up. <laughs> we're all messed up. We, all, we just did the first time. That's okay. Well, we already did. Um, when I started at College Park probably 14 years ago, going through a very, no, I actually didn't know I was getting ready to go through a very difficult time, but the Lord knew. And he brought me to College Park, and it was just so refreshing to be amongst women and people who were willing to be transparent, willing to not have it all together, willing to, you know, share the things that they were going through. And I didn't feel judged. I and mean, it's, it's a difficult thing going through divorce. You feel shame. You feel guilty, you know, you feel like you failed, um, and I, I always felt such sincere love and support at College Park that for me, church was family. A Sunday school class that I was in for probably 12 years, they pretty much adopted my daughter. She started going with me. She developed relationships with much older married couples who've done it right and done it well for, you know, 50 years, and I could see what that looked like. My kids could see what that looked like, so it was life on life. Um, and it was just an opportunity to be who God, you know, had created me to be and to grow in that and be around people who are transparent and vulnerable and willing to share in that and see, you know, the potential in what God was doing um, in myself and my kids. And College Park was literally a lifeline. I mean, Christ threw me a lifeline through College Park, and I will always cherish and appreciate that. Mm.
We are grateful for this testimony. It really is important and powerful for everybody to understand that the local churches uh, where, to which we are committed have a tremendous uh, impact and input into our lives. You're listening to Warp and Roof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a one-song break. When we come back, we're going to hear from John and Tiffany again, specifically uh, about their individual interests within the community and the kinds of things that they're doing there. We'll be right back. Things ain't what they used to be, no Radiation 
Everyone interprets everything. God's Word interprets God's world. Hi, I'm Dr. Mark Eckel, president of the Comenius Institute. At Comenius, we interpret all of life through the lens of Scripture. We interact with students and professors, churches and business people, leaders and entrepreneurs about God's truth in every endeavor. Join the growing number of Comenius Institute contributing patrons. Christian interpretation begins with God's Word, so we can interpret God's world. The Comenius Institute, where Christian wisdom and daily life meet. And we're back. We're up in Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Group site. We're having way too much fun down here at 2131 East 10th Street talking, talking with John and Tiffany Dearman about the good things that's go, that are going on in their lives and they're sharing with their community. Uh, so we're coming back after uh, the break. We just talked about before the break the necessity of the local church in the lives of Christians and how important it is for us not only to get good sound teaching but then to actually go life on life, as John well suggested here in the first uh, segment, to uh, talk about how important that is to actually engage with each other. So in this segment, in the last uh, 20 plus minutes we have left, uh, John, Tiffany, we want to talk about the specific things that you're invested in uh, here in your neighborhoods. And again, you can take this in any direction you would like, but let's be specific about the kinds of avenues that you're pursuing and the kinds of things that you're invested in. I will say, um, one of the promises we made to each other since we're two and a half years into our marriage is that the first 12 months we would not get involved okay. in, you know, anything except for building a good, strong relationship and blending the family, which is, again, not for the faint of heart, we will both say, um, because you bring so many different, you know, habits and things. And so we did make a commitment to each other to not do that. So we are actually slowly getting back into now committing um, and getting involved in the community um, in different areas outside of family, but that family still takes up a good part of time. The boys are, are both in football, um, so there is an opportunity, um, and then um, my oldest, she's a senior, but she's very involved in show choir, so I'll be going to New York with them, um, Brownsburg Show Choir in February, and um, Jay was into basketball, so we, outside of that, um, I, of course, am running for school board. So that's huge commitment and undertaking. And right now, we're just doing a lot of getting out and meeting people that I've never met in the community, um, gleaning um, a temperature of where the community is, what the thoughts are. Um, there's some phenomenally wonderful things about Brownsburg and the school system, which is why we're still there. Um, there's always room for improvement and opportunities to um, engage the community more. Um, I think. My passion lies in uh, more community involvement in um, things that affect the school system and the school community. Mm. That um, I feel like decisions carry more integrity when people feel like they're involved in the process. And there's not as many questions about why something was done or how something was done. So that is probably my greatest passion um, in that area. And I see some opportunity for that. Mm. Um, I think teachers are always probably under-recognized for the commitment. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Bridget. The commitment that they make for our kids, and they have their attention for, you know, more hours in a day when they're awake than we do as parents. And so I think it's huge that we are supportive of our teachers in their efforts and that they're, you know, trying to do um, in the school system. Amen, sister. Involved. Amen. 
Yeah, so just so everybody knows, uh, my wife and Robin and I have been have given 60 years of our lives to education. Uh, she's a second grade teacher, been different grades, and I've been a junior, senior high teacher for a long time. So thank you, thank you. For a board member who actually appreciates teachers, we're grateful. Yeah. Valuable in my kids' lives, um, and what's really nice is having a 25 and a 26-year-old. I've truly been able to see the impact that their high school and formative years of education have had on them in the long run. Mm -hmm. Now that they are graduated, independent, in the real world, working, I've been able to see how that impacted their development socially, professionally, academically, all of those things that are required to truly compete. Mm. It is a competitive world out there. Mm. Um, and so it's really nice to have that experience and that um, you know engagement at running for school board. Because I can not only speak to what my kids are experiencing now, but how the experiences they had seven or eight years ago are impacting my older Lord knows I would have loved to have had a school board member like you. Oh, Lord knows. So thank you for this and for the opportunity and the effort you're going to put into this. Uh, by the way, and I just make this general comment, uh, right out of Deuteronomy 24, actually this was a principle set up in God's, uh, for God's people that when people got married that they had one year to commit to the, each other. And so this is a principle established in Scripture. Uh, just so everybody knows, we haven't left that base. We always come at this from a biblical point of view. There you go. So um, thank you for the efforts uh, in and around uh, academics. John, I just heard um, you talk about the issue of athletics, yes. and that connection for you is huge. It is. Uh, let me first say to my wife, she is phenomenal in terms of just balancing, running her own business, of course, managing the family well, and also taking on this big burden of running for the school board. So kudos to you, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. I know that's and, not and always it's hard, true. And, but she's committed to it. Um, but for me, Mark, basketball was in a sense my saving grace. Mm -hmm. um, given that environment that I grew up in, um, going to the boys club, connecting uh, on the football field, I mean I did it all, but that was in a sense God sort of covered me mm -hmm. and that was my avenue. That's where I learned conflict management. That's, what I, that's where I learned how to be a great teammate mm -hmm. regardless of your color. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I learned that you can go in any neighborhood and begin to bridge gaps between whatever community because you're a team that's coming to to really not necessarily to bring separation but to bring uh, togetherness mm -hmm. so so these things i learned but also i learned so much more with the coaches the trainers that really poured into my life not because i could score 20 points in a game but because they enjoyed me they enjoyed the fact that i was a good guy that i was I could treat people well. So those things they poured into me to say, hey, basketball can come and go. But this, John Dearman, about these things as far as character, integrity, these things that you want to continue to pour into. So that mentorship, that those coaches and those connections were huge for me. I can recall the multiple coaches that poured into my life that still play a part of my life today. Mm. So I just want to mimic that. I just want to be a part of that as I am now being afforded the opportunity to begin to give back. Yeah. I think one of the things as far as basketball, I think you can accomplish a lot on the court, 
mainly just conflict management. How to win well, how to lose well, how to be not the, even though you're the superstar, you don't have to be the superstar and selfish, mm. you know? Even that one person who's on the bench who doesn't have the ability, but yet he is the main one that's keeping this team going. So mm. as a coach, I want to parcel that. I want to bring that into the community. Um, and in particular, I've always had this thought of, it's called, in my mind, I, haven't, I don't have it on paper yet. Yeah, that's okay. Working HP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called Project Crossover. And of course, in all Ooh, things that I like we it. do, in all things that we do, we got to keep Christ in the that's great. center focus. I love it. As, as we're trying to uh, yeah, help these young men, um, these men at times, right. to, to how do they navigate or transition through these unhealthy habits into a life of Christ? Is Project Crossover. Uh, and so those are the things that we're trying to, that I'm trying to lean into. And then I'm also sharing my experiences, bringing people in who have that experience of, I'm a great ball player, but yet that means nothing. But more so than anything, it's Christ that means everything. Okay, so just because I know we have people out there who are listening who are not sports people. Okay, you need to explain what a crossover is, okay, and those who might have missed the metaphor of the cross. Could you just talk about those two things briefly? The crossover, the crossover is where you have your point guard coming down the court, and he just basically takes one way, and then he crosses the ball over in front of him, and then he just basically fakes the shoes out of his defender. He just basically crossover, and he passes by. So my cross I'm looking at is the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, because no matter how much you can cross somebody over on the court, it means nothing if you don't have the cross of Jesus Christ in your heart. Because uh, that is, that's what wins games, the game of life. There it is. Uh, so that's, hopefully that's... that. Thank you, that's perfect. No, man, Mark, you know, perfect. I told you, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I have a buddy, Ron Rutland, who used to play for the University of Indianapolis. Just look at this, see what the name of his company is. I don't make this stuff no, up. Probably, probably He's got crossover right. gear. He started crossover this gear. about nine years wow. ago. When oh, his cool. Son, his son was at Kaleidoscope. Um, youth center where I was and he started crossover gear from the same point how to put Christ That's into great. the sports world and he started crossover gear so I'm going to give you this number and connect you to because if you already had that seed planted and he's doing it then it's already out there moving that's cool man Excuse that's great. Me, no it's okay wow. and what comes up is before we even get on the court Mark there will be a small devotion of what it means just to how do you manage through conflict? Mm. How do you manage in respecting your parents? Mm. How do you manage in in regards to respecting your teacher at school? Mm. And a lot of players nowadays they're looking at to play on a team that's C average. No, I'm going for A plus and above to mm. play on my team. I want them to 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 exceed in the education in the classroom and utilize the court as, a, again, a testimony in terms of what they're trying to do. I think when I was playing ball, we would have to come to the games 
dressed to impress. We had our suit and tie on. <laughs> Nowadays, when you see these players come to the game, it's really just, it's really heart-wrenching, we'll say. But that's teaching them what it means to um, not only play the game, but look the game. There's just a level of respect. So it's things like that that I will uh, constantly be leaning into with this, this um, project crossover. And I'm, I'm just really excited. But then also, you can really lean into the fact that you can come down to that young man's level and say, hey, I was there. Mm. I was that young 11-year-old that was shooting hoops every single day thinking I was going to be an NBA player. Mm. But my attitude was messed up. I didn't know how to share the ball. So those things that I think Project Crossover and, and my stories and other stories that can make a difference in the community. One of the things that's standing out to me in this conversation with both of you uh, and then the two of you together is you really have to go through an awful lot of stuff and come out on the other side. And sometimes that stuff rears its ugly head because, you know, we're human beings and we're sinners and therefore we struggle with these kinds of ideas. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the concept of perseverance because uh, HB and I talked about this a little bit in the first hour how important is perseverance, uh, maintaining the principles that you believe in um, through everything in life? doesn't mean you're going to do it perfect every time right. or you're not going to have bad days. But talk about the issue of sticking it out. Yeah. Well, I think I'm kind of in that right now um, with even running for the school board. Um, it's truly a, a blessing and a privilege to be in a position to be able to do it. But it's also um, a bit overwhelming sometimes. And um, you open yourself up to um, all different um, concerns, issues, thoughts. And it is a matter of a daily basis going, okay, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And even when it doesn't, it's not fun, I still, I feel like I need to be committed to it. It's like, you know, Christ persevered. You know, even when, right before he went to the cross, it was, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, I'm good with that. But if not, your will be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what we are called to do as believers, is to persevere um, and know that, you know, the Lord is always with us. God is always with us. He never leads us or forsakes us. And so I think that's a, a Christian principle to persevere in those things that we feel called to do. Um, and in our lives, for me, for both of us, we need to persevere as a single dad. I persevered as a single mom. I'm sure I messed up a lot. You could call my kids sure they could tell you <laughs> all the things that I could have done different and done better. But, um, you know, we, we were committed to that time in our lives um, that the Lord had us in, believing and trusting in Him, mm-hmm. not in ourselves. Um, and that, I just think that that is, it's critical, you know, to be um, willing to persevere. And it is, um, oftentimes it's a, a refilling of the Spirit that you got to go and, you know, take a minute and allow Him to to give you the energy. His grace is sufficient for the day. And so we just believe and trust in that. I think also, Mark, with that is is perspective. I mean, sometimes our problems are bigger than what we perceive them to be. And it's usually us. You know, some of my problems that I deal with each and every day is maybe staffing issues, customer issues. But my problem of staffing issues can be really big if I'm not doing anything to fill those gaps. But if I look at this perspective that yes, I'm short staffed, but what am I doing to to submit 
not to the perspective of I'm short staff, but what am I doing to begin to get good people on? Right. Am I creating opportunities uh, as far as job fairs? Am I making networks, getting yeah. networks to, right. to create opportunities? Am I looking at my other colleagues and seeing if those individuals have some individuals who want some extra work? If I'm not doing those things, my perspective is going to be big and it's going to be hard for me to persevere. Mm. So I try to break it down in small pieces. I mean, we both know, my Tiffany and I both know, given a blended family, it takes about seven plus years for a family to blend. Mm. Um, that, that, that's what the stats that's say. That's what the stats say. Okay. So okay. We, we, we got that stat even prior to us getting married. So her and I took on that. It could be stressful, but we <laughs> began to study a book on blending a family. And we begin to really look at some of the um, truths about blending the family. So that really lessened our stress of persevering in terms of wanting to persevere because it helped us with a bigger perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we just try to, I try to look at things from that perspective, you know, just even with um, my, my, during that time of when I was a single dad, I was... I took off for a whole year so I can just really help my kids in their process of grieving the loss of their moms. And if I didn't look at that HB from that perspective, I could have been overwhelmed. Absolutely. But when I looked at it from that perspective, I was able to persevere mm -hmm. and lean into some resources and things of that nature. So uh, persevere is also a character trait, too. I mean, what are we going to do to fight through that? Mm -hmm. it's, it's very easy for us to give up. But ultimately, the foundation in perseverance is Christ, our Lord, and our strength. We must surrender that to him each and every day through the power of prayer, through the time we spend in God's word, uh, the church. Is, and so there's sources in our lives and Christ as a foundation that can push us through perseverance. And then oftentimes, as we know, when we look back, we can mm -hmm. see God's hand at work <laughs> yeah. as he's shaping us and molding us through those hard times. And we all know God grows us even at a deeper level when we're going through hard times and hardships. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amen, HB. <laughs> man, I'm loving this testimony. I also would say for me it's been um, true that my ability to persevere has had everything to do with the people I have around me yeah. to encourage me, to speak wisdom into my life in areas where I might not, you know, have, you know, as much um, experience, um, women who've gone before me. Um, I think perseverance is a, we're not made to do this life by ourselves. I mean, we're, we are made to do it in community and in relationship. And so I think sometimes you got to shed people um, or relationships to persevere well in our lives. And so that has mm. definitely helped true for me. Mm. Thankful for the people that the Lord has brought into. Yeah. The issues that, uh, you're about to get into John with uh, uh, coaching with parents that are upset with you. Um, are you ready for that? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I have a plan for that. Do you? Okay. All right. I do. I need to send that out to all these other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I typically do with that is, is communication is everything for me as mm -hmm. a business leader. Communication is everything, so I always want to be respectful, kind, and again, be an ambassador for Christ. I let the parents know, even before we start practice, we have a little small gathering and let them know 
it's not about me and it's not about you. I'm here to teach your son or daughter the fundamentals of basketball. I want them to love the game. I want them to learn the game. And I want them to have fun. And if it's beyond that, and if this is not a good fit for you guys, this may not be the team for, for you and Coach Deerman. It's not mm -hmm. going to be a good mix. Also, kind of lay out some foundation there, too. I let them know if you want to connect with me, not after the game, not before the game. Uh, if you want to connect with me when this appropriate time or set up a meeting, let's have an adult conversation. And again, it's not about us. So if you want to create a meeting with me and it's about little Johnny not getting enough playing time, <laughs> little Johnny may not be the team. Coach Dearman mm -hmm. may not be the coach for you. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing when they see you in action that you love the game, that the kids love you, and that you're teaching them the fundamental skills of basketball, and you're holding them accountable for bad attitude. You're holding them accountable that I'm all about school first, because it's, what is it? Student athlete starts mm -hmm. with student athlete second. When parents see you're doing those things on a consistent basis, they will get in line. They're great. They're great. And you, and you, Tiffany, for the same reasons, you're going to have to deal with parents uh, who are not going to be happy from time to time. Are you ready? I do. Uh, do you already do? <laughs> okay. So on the one hand, I am so humbled that it seems like when people feel like somebody wants to listen, is willing to listen, they're making calls. So mm. I appreciate to being in that role. Sure. Where people see, I guess, a little bit of hope yeah. that their perspective can be heard. Um, on the, at the same time, I have to be careful to draw the boundaries so that because it could just be endless um, and be able to prioritize. And those are things that I'm praying through. You know, that the Lord will help me to determine. You know, what are the priorities? What things are important? I know not always going to be. Um, I can't please everyone. Sure. You know, and um, and it's I do believe you know scripture and, and it, you, you can't be a friend to everyone or just. You're a friend of no one. You mm. stand for something or you fall for everything. Yeah, so I, I get, you know, that those are things that I'm going to have to put into play in a real way, um, being on the board. But I do believe the um, the pleasures and the benefits of it and the impact far outweighs. That's mm. my favorite. <laughs> we are pleased, so pleased for both of you for the, the impact that you have had. Uh, are having and will continue to have in the area that you live in, in your community, uh, on the west side of Indianapolis. We've come to the end of our time, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cougar of Sight. Thank you ever so much, John, Tiffany Dearman, for your time. Thank grateful, you. grateful. You. Yeah, let, let people know about what we're doing here and uh, tell folks at, at uh, College Park uh, that we're there with them and for them, and uh, if there's ever any time that we can be of service, uh, let us know. So we're going to be back next week, and as I've already announced, next week is HB's 60th birthday. We are going to partay. I am bringing gifts, birthday cakes. I can't wait. Mom has already sent the card to her son. Uh, she's all excited about this just as much as anybody is. Mom lives in Littleton. <laughs> we're going to try and bring some folks up in here, have a good time. We'll just spend a couple hours. We'll talk about celebration, the importance of celebration biblically, and the need for holiday. Uh, we're going to hear some words from the 60-year-old next week. Can't wait for that. 
Thanks ever so much for joining us. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, join us at WarpandWoof.org, at ComeniusInstitute.org. Find all of our writings, podcasts, interviews, video teaching, all that stuff there. We'll talk to you again next week.